Good morning. Glad to have everybody with us this morning. Thank you for coming in to worship with us today. For those of you joining us online, thank you for getting online and joining us as well. We're glad to have you uh, with us to worship today. Uh, for those of you who are here in the in the room with us, let me give you uh, just a couple of housekeeping things just to make you aware of, especially if this one. If you got you know younger ones with you, if you got kids with you, we have um, classes and activities available for all of our kids, third grade and younger. Uh, and that's available anytime during our worship service. So you can take them right now or you can take them even later on during our worship. If you just go right out these doors and across the lobby, we have a check-in area there. We've got volunteers ready to take care of your kids uh, in the kids' area while you continue to worship with us. If you want to keep your kids with you, we also have activity bags um, available in our lobby right on the other side of this wall right here. So if you go out this door and, and uh, hang a right, there's a table with some activity bags and keep your kids uh you know, engaged in some of their activities while you're engaged in worship with us. And then uh, we also have a nursery available. Uh, if you got some babies with you, right across the lobby as well. So we want to make you aware um, of those things. Also, we will be taking communion today. We'll have some thoughts and a prayer for our communion time. And then uh, after we pray for communion, you should have a communion cup uh, in your seat when you sat down. And when we take communion together, we'll peel off the top lid and take the wafer and then peel off the second lid and drink the juice and that's how we'll take communion together today. So I want you to be aware of that uh, for when that time comes. It's a special day for us um, here at Flagstone. Just, you know, it's always a special day to be able to get together with our church family and be able to worship together. So that's awesome in the first place. And at the end of our worship today, uh, we will take a minute just to be, uh, to honor and to be thankful for our two uh, summer interns, Paige Simons and Tate Myers. And so that will be at the end of our worship time today, and, and hope you don't have to run off too quickly uh, at the end this morning so you can uh, help celebrate them with us today. So those are the things I want you to be aware of before we begin worship. Now we're going to be singing today, we're going to be praying today, we're going to spend time with the Word today. We're going, to be, we're going to be encouraging each other. We're going to be encouraged by our God. We're going to be singing praises to our God. You're going to be blessed by being here today. And we want to be able to not only receive that blessing ourselves, but also uh, bless others around us as we worship. So we invite you to sing along with our praise team. We invite you to really focus in on our time in the Word. We invite you to, to really focus your hearts on the prayers we offer so that we can engage in worship together and be a blessing to each other and lift up our God. So let's go to him first of all this morning and ask God to bless our time of worship. And then we'll begin praising him together. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for uh, blessing us with the opportunity to be here. Thank you for the folks who are joining us online who can't be here in the room with us this morning. And pray that they can be, uh, that they can feel connected with us even though they're not in the room with us. And that we can all feel connected to each other. And feel your presence in this place as we worship you. God, I... I believe, I, I just know that there are people who came here today that that all this past week or, or, or maybe even uh, within a few hours of coming here that there's something, there's some kind of burden uh, that they have felt, whether that's a, a something physical that they're dealing with, whether there's a relationship or family issue that they're struggling with, whether there's just some, some sin, some guilt, some temptations in their own lives that they keep battling. God, we, we come here with burdens, and I pray that you help us all if we are carrying anything today that's keeping us from living the free life that you offer, that you help us all to lay those things down, to give them to you this morning, to feel you lifting those things off of our shoulders so that we can not only worship you uh, with all of our hearts, but so that we can leave this place completely liberated to go be the people that you have called us to be. So we ask, we ask you to bless our time. Bless us as we worship you, and let us be a blessing to you as we praise your name. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
Let's get on our feet. Let's worship together. This is the season for a new anointing. This is the season for a fresh outpouring. That the sons and daughters of the King of glory may rise and shine. That the sons and daughters of the King of glory may rise and shine as we declare. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. In the beginning God created, and for His pleasure all creation sings. Every son and daughter of the King of glory may arise and shine. Every son and daughter of the King of glory may arise and shine as we declare. This is the day, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice, I will rejoice, I will rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day, this is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let your glory fill the earth. Let your glory fill the earth. Let your glory fill the earth. Let your glory fill the earth as we declare. This is the day, this is the day. 
Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the praises of the King rise among us. Let it rise. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the songs of the Lord rise among us. Let the joy of This is the time in the lesson where we uh, just kind of take a second to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross. One of the best verses that always comes to mind, maybe because it's you know a song we sing before communion, is uh, Psalms 46:10. He says to be still and know that I am God. It, I mean, it works anytime I think about it because it's just you know school's starting in about two weeks and like I had to buy a backpack and it was just like this is terrible and. It's just, you know, just the, man, I have to go to, I have to wake up early and like just, just be still and know that I'm God. And I don't know, it works, it works a lot for me. I'm going to transfer to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. This is whenever Jesus has died and Paul is just, 
you know, he's sending a letter to Corinth, the city of Corinth. Um, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the ultimate sacrifice that you made for us so that we may be in heaven with you one day. We pray for the bread and the juice that represent your body and your blood. We thank you for everything you do for us and all the love you have for us. We pray these things through Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand with me as we sing the song before Marshall's lesson this morning. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like
What do you think of when you think of something that's unfiltered? When you, just, when you hear that word, when you see that word, unfiltered, what do you think of? Um, I, I know I um, just went with a, a bunch of teenagers to Colorado and, and climbed a mountain, and uh, we had to get our water from, like, streams in the mountains. So you stick your water bottle in, in, in this uh, stream, and, and um, you know, that was unfiltered, unfiltered water. Uh, of course, we put some chlorine drops in it and make it okay because if you didn't filter the water <laughs> in some some form or fashion, you get kind of sick. Um, I don't know. You got filters. You got air filters in your air conditioning units. So maybe you have, maybe you don't put the filters in your air conditioning units and you have kind of an unfiltered uh, house. You know, uh, if you don't have a filter on your swimming pool, that gets kind of gross. That gets kind of nasty, the stuff that you're swimming in and with. Uh, what do you think of when you think of uh, something that's filtered, something that's unfiltered? I wonder, I wonder if we, just when you hear the word, when you think unfiltered, if any of us, the first thought that comes to mind is the words that come out of our mouth, the things that we say, our speech, how we talk to other people about those things. You know, do you think about those things being filtered or unfiltered? When uh, Christy and I counsel a couple sometimes, as a matter of fact, we've even shared, you know, on, on stage with this church family before when we talked about, you know, communication in marriage. And we talked about, uh, you know, kind of two different categories of communication when it comes to uh, relationships a lot of times. We talked about how there's, there's the thinkers, there's the people who, uh, before they speak, they're going to think about it. And they've, they already think ahead of time what they're going to say and probably what you're going to say in response to that. And then what they're going to say in response to that. And they, they think about it before they ever say what they're going to say. And then we have what, what Christian and I call the spewers. It's kind of like a geyser. It's like, here it is, and here's what's on my mind, and here it comes out of my mouth. And, you know, you just got to get ready for it and prepare yourself because I'm just going to say things. Uh, and, and that is more unfiltered. There's no filter. And, and we talk about that sometimes, right? When, when people, we, we, might, we might not necessarily say it about ourselves. We'll talk about that person over there. Man, they, you know, that's unfiltered. Whatever they say, that's unfiltered. Whatever they're thinking, it's going to come out. And that's, that's kind of what I want us to be thinking about is, is the unfiltered things that we say. I want us to be thinking about times when we don't have a filter um, on our words, on, and, and I'm not just talking about, you know, if we use foul language or not. I'm just talking about whatever is on my mind or whatever my emotions are dictating right now and how much that just flows out of what I say without me having any kind of check on it, having any kind of guard, any kind of filter on it. And having unfiltered conversations versus filtered conversations, those things can, can both be positive and negative. I mean, sometimes when I'm unfiltered in my words, I can easily hurt somebody else's feelings. I can say some things that I wish I hadn't said, uh, that I wish I could take back. At the same time, unfiltered speech, you really don't have to worry about what I'm thinking right now. You don't have to second guess. You don't have to worry if I'm trying to be manipulative or maybe not even being completely honest. Now, people who filter their speech a little bit better, well, you know, sometimes they can be a little more guarded and not had to worry as much about hurting somebody else's feelings or saying things that they regret, but they can also, you gotta wonder sometimes, what are they really thinking? They're not saying what I know. I know they're thinking something else besides what they're saying. And so there's positive and negative to, to both things. But I think that sometimes, I, I feel like when, we, when it comes to us talking to God, when we, when we pray to God, when we have conversations with God, I think that, we feel like 
we do speak what's on our hearts. We talk to him about what we're thinking about. We talk to him about, uh, you know, what we're, what, what we're feeling right now. But there's a tendency, I think, especially for those of us who have been a part of a church for a while. There's a tendency sometimes to feel like we got we to gotta filter those things a little bit. And I, I don't want to be completely honest with God. And, and maybe, maybe honest isn't the right word. But I, but I don't want to be completely, completely unfiltered in what I say to God. Because I might say some things that, you know, if I said this to somebody else, it might be hurtful. If I say this to somebody else, it might make them angry. It might make them upset. And I don't want God to feel that way. And maybe if I'm unfiltered in my conversations and the things that I say to God, that's almost irreverent. I need to be really cautious. I need to, I need to use like really, uh, you know, really um, uh, spiritual words when I'm talking to God. And make sure that I'm, that I'm saying phrases and things that maybe I can find in the Bible or that I've heard, you know, older people than me have used in their prayers uh, lots of times. And, and I need to be really careful about what I say to God. And I think, I think that when you look through Scripture, there's several examples, multiple examples of people being really real and really honest Maybe even a little blunt in their prayers to God, in their conversations with God. I mean, you look through Scripture, you see people who are, who are crying out. We see them complaining to God. We see them questioning God. We see them sometimes even criticizing God. And we see, we, we see people just choosing that moment to be honest and to be real. God, this is what I'm feeling right now. And this is what's on my mind right now. And I'm just going to express that. And I'm not going to put a filter on it. I'm not going to guard my words. I'm going to be really blunt and really honest with you right now. And that's what we're going to focus on today. That's what we're going to focus on for the next several weeks. Times when God's people have spoken to him with unfiltered words. Times when, when God's people have been really open and really honest in, in, in expressing themselves to God and what we can learn from some of those things and how we can learn not just to be unfiltered, but how we can, we can hopefully learn to be honest in our approach to God and be more real and more genuine and more sincere in our connection with Him. So let's start out today. Let's look at one of these unfiltered conversations uh, that we find in Scripture. We're going to look at, at a guy named Job. So there's a whole book in the Old Testament that's called Job. It's spelled Job, but we pronounce it Job. So if you get confused by that, just know we're using a long O instead of a short O when we pronounce this. But, but this guy, Job, we're not going to read through all 42 chapters today. That would take a while. But just to kind of give you the highlights of what's going on in Job's life. Job was a very wealthy man. He lived in ancient times and he had lots and lots of livestock. He had hundreds and hundreds of sheep and hundreds and hundreds of donkeys and hundreds and hundreds of camels. And he had lots of money to go along with that. He had lots of kids, too. And then he was just kind of one of those well-respected guys uh, in the community, not just because of all the wealth and, and I guess probably even some of the power they had, but he was just a good guy. People really liked him. He had lots of, lots of friends. And he was also a devout God follower. Like, he, he had faith in God. He believed in God. One particular day... Somebody comes to him and says, Job, some raiders came and they stole all of, uh, all of your oxen and all of your donkeys. You had hundreds and hundreds of them. You don't anymore. They're gone. And then while that guy is still telling Job about that, another guy shows up and says, Job, 
somebody came and, and, and stole all of your camels, hundreds and hundreds of camels, not anymore. You don't have a single camel left to your name. And then somebody else comes up and says, Job, weirdest thing, fireball came from heaven, burned up all your sheep. That would be weird, wouldn't it? Just to get that kind of news. And Job's like, okay. And he's, he's kind of, all of a sudden, all the possessions that he had are completely gone. And then somebody else comes up and says, Job, man, I've heard you're having a bad day, but guess what? There was all your kids were in a house and they were having a party together. And then a big storm came and blew down the walls and all of them were killed. Now, I said that kind of quickly. Can you imagine how devastating that would be? We had 10 kids, and all of them died instantly. And Job gets all of this news all at once. Not long after that, he's afflicted with some kind of skin disease. I mean, Scripture calls it boils. It calls it sores. There's some kind of, some kind of festering sores that, that Job has from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. His body is covered. And it's so painful for him that, he, that he, he's just sitting around taking pieces of, of broken pottery and scraping his skin to try to get some relief from the pain that he's feeling. So he's lost everything that he has. He's lost all of his kids. He's, he's in this horrible amount of pain. And, the, and, and then he's got this wife that comes up to him, and the wife should be supporting him. Bless your heart, honey. Is there anything I can do for you? Not this woman. She looks at him and says, you know what? Why don't you just curse God and die? Just get it over with. And then his friends show up. And his friends, he's so, they don't even recognize him because of, of his physical condition, because of how just destitute he is right now. Scripture says they don't even, he doesn't even look the same to them. And they show up just to help and just to offer comfort. And they sit in silence for an entire week. Seven days they sit around just not even knowing what to say. We're just, we're here. And then finally, when they do start speaking, this is where you get through most of the, of the book of Job, they keep telling him, all this bad stuff has happened. The loss of animals, the loss of wealth, the loss of your health, the loss of your kids, this nagging wife that you got, this is all your fault. You must have done something. And this is all happening to Job all at once. I can't even fathom going through all these things all at one time. I mean, bad stuff has happened to us in our lives, Right? I think if I just had a show of hands, has anything bad ever happened to you? Probably every hand would shoot up. And some of us have had worse circumstances in our lives than others. And this isn't a contest to see if who, who's had bad things and who's had worse things happen to them. We've had bad stuff happen. Some of us have had multiple bad things happen in a short amount of time. I don't know that any of us have experienced what Job is, is experiencing here. All at once with losing everything that he thought gave him status and importance, with losing his family, with losing his health and just being in horrible pain. And then the people who are supposed to be compassionate and supposed to be supportive are the ones that are piling on and just saying, your life is worthless. Roll over and die. Your life is horrible right now, and it's probably because of something you did. And after dealing with all this for a while, Job finally speaks. And if you read through most of the book of Job, it's, it's Job responding to the circumstances that he's in and his friends still responding and telling him, well, it's still your fault. And him responding to that, it, it goes back and forth. But what I want, I just kind of give you some of the highlights 
of how Job is feeling about the things that he's experiencing. Because for Job, there's no rhyme or reason to this. There's no, there's no sense that he, can, that he can gain of why all this happened. It just happened. And so in chapter 3, he, says, he basically says he, that he wishes he had never been born. He curses the day that he was born. In chapter 9, he says, you know what? If I complain to God about what's going on, I'm not for sure that he would actually listen. So he's starting to question God's role in this. And not only God's role in this, he's starting to question whether or not God would actually uh, intervene for him and, and do something about it. In chapter 13, he basically calls out to God and says, God, two things that I want. Number one, make all this stop. Number two, tell me why. I want to know why this is happening. I want to know what caused this. You go on to chapter, I'm giving chapter 23. He basically says, I'm innocent. I haven't done anything. This, isn't, this, this shouldn't be consequences for anything I've done. I haven't done anything. I am innocent, and yet I'm still going through all of this. And maybe the most telling phrase, the, the most telling words that Job shares, we find in chapter 34. And actually, this is one of his friends saying, this is what Job keeps saying. In, in Job chapter 34, verses 5 and 6, it's, he says, I am not guilty, and God has refused me a fair trial. Instead of getting a fair trial, I'm called a liar. I've been seriously hurt, even though I have not sinned. And it's in this moment that you see Job being completely real and not holding anything back. This is unfiltered. This is Job being really raw and really honest and really open about how he's feeling. And he's not holding anything back from God. And basically... He's looking to God and saying, God, this is not fair. This is not fair. I've been good. I've done the right things. Go to the next slide, guys. I've been good. I've done the right things. You're supposed to bless me. You're supposed to take care of me. You're, I, I don't deserve this. My life, what is happening in my life right now is not fair. That's, I feel like that's pretty honest. And pretty real. And there may be some times when bad stuff happens in our lives. And we might even be tempted to say this as well. And yet there's, there's part of us, especially for those of us again who might have been raised in a church. We might think, oh, I'm not allowed to say that to God though. Because people have told us, well God's got a purpose in everything. God's got a plan and purpose for your life. So there's some reason that this is happening. And so I'm not allowed to question it. I'm not allowed to say anything about it. I'm not allowed to be negative about it because I just need to look for the positive. That's not what Job's doing here. Well, this is a man of God. This is a man who has faith in God. And that faith is wavering a little bit. And he's basically calling out to God and going, God, if, if you even are listening, why is this happening? Because this is not fair. Have you felt this way before? Have you said this to God before? At least thought it? When, when you suffered abuse, physical, emotional, sexual, you prayed to God for it to stop and it, and it didn't, at least not for a while. When you lost that job, I mean, you worked hard. You did things the right way. You prayed 
for God to let you keep your job and you still got laid off. When you thought you married the right person. You went to premarital counseling. You did everything right. You worked hard. You prayed and everything, that marriage still fell apart. When you prayed for a healthy pregnancy, when you took the prenatal vitamins, when you ate the right stuff and you exercised, you read all the right books and all the right blogs and got all the right advice, and that child was still born with some developmental problems. When you had kids that you thought you raised right, you brought them to church, you, you took them to the youth group activities, you prayed as a family, and, and yet at some point when they got to be adults, they still walked away from it. When you got financial issues, but, but you made good choices and you budgeted and you, and you didn't buy lots of frivolous stuff and yet you're still just in overwhelming debt. When there's struggles in your heart, with your emotions, where you pray for peace and you try to find ways to let go of anxiety and, and, and you even go to see a therapist, but, but you're still struggling with loneliness and worry and fear and depression. These are the things that we get frustrated with. These are the, thing, the, the, the things that start to overwhelm us. And, and we, we feel like, I'm doing things right, and, and I'm praying, and I'm making the right choices, and why am, I, why am I still dealing with these things? Why do these things happen to me? Life is, is supposed to be fair, isn't it? I still have these experiences that I don't deserve or, or I can't do anything about. And, and when those times come, I mean, how do we handle that? When, I, I think that there's, there's two Two basic things are at the core of the, of the issue when we are dealing with unfair circumstances in life. And one of those things is, is the thing that, we, that we've been led to believe, that it should be fair. Life should be fair. It's supposed to be balanced. If you do good things, you get good things in return. I mean, we, we don't necessarily, uh, you know, believe in Hinduism, but we kind of believe in karma. Right? You do good things, good things in return. You do bad things, bad things in return. So if bad things are happening, it must be because of something I did, right? But I do the good things. I go to church. I help people. I'm a nice person. I obey most of the laws. I do the things I'm supposed to do. So I'm supposed to get good stuff, right? It's supposed to be fair. And that's ingrained into us from childhood on. Take turns, share your toys. If you do good things, you get rewarded. You get a sticker, you get a sucker, whatever it is. We, we, are, we are conditioned to believe that life is supposed to be fair. And when it's not, that just goes against everything that, that I've assumed to be true about life in general. And that's hard to accept. And even when, even when Jesus Christ himself says something like we see in John chapter 16, verse 33, where he says, in this world, you will have trouble. There's no conditions laid on that. When Jesus says, you know, in this world, you have trouble, if you're a bad person, that's not what he says. If you cause trouble for other people, you will have trouble. That's not what he says. What does he say? Are you living in this world? Everybody take a breath, exhale. You're alive. You're in this world. Guess what? You're going to have trouble. That's not fair. 
But that's the way life is. But that's what makes it hard for us to deal with sometimes. Because we're convinced that life should be fair. There should be balance. There should be justice. And the other thing that, that frustrates us in, in times like this is when we, we can't control it. When things are happening to us and we have no, we have no control over it. We like to think that we maintain some kind of control over what happens in our lives. I mean, even those of us who, who like to feel like we just kind of fly by the seat of our pants, we're pretty spontaneous in the things we do. We, we like to control our spontaneity, if we're really honest with ourselves. We like to feel like we're in somewhat control of what happens to us. And what, what is really difficult to deal with in life is when there's things that are difficult, when there's things that are painful to me or are causing hurt to people that I care about, and I can't do anything about it. I can't control it. And whether it's like we just talked about, whether it's abuse or divorce or a lost job or a, a friendship or a dating relationship that falls apart, I can't change those circumstances and I can't dictate how other people treat me and I can't control what other people uh, think of me. And, and even if I wanted to, even if I tried to, it just doesn't happen and it just makes me so frustrated. Bad stuff is happening and I can't do anything about it. Not only is it not fair, I can't control it. And that's overwhelmingly frustrating. So what do I do? When I'm dealing with pain that I don't deserve. When I'm dealing with hurt that I can't control. When life is just not fair, what do I do? Well, let me give you a few things to start with this morning. Now, I want to preface this ahead of time. This when things like this happen in life, the things I described, there is no quick fix. I wish there was. I wish God could give us the ability to just snap our fingers and that hurt goes away. And it, it doesn't. It doesn't happen like that. But there's things that I can do to at least make those situations better. And that's what I want to talk about for a few more minutes this morning. When life is unfair, when I don't deserve it and I can't control it, but it's happening anyway, what can I do? First thing, number one, feel free to vent. Feel free to vent. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to even be angry. Those are God-given emotions. God created us with the ability to have feelings and to express those feelings. And it's okay to have them. And it's okay to vent about those things to people that we trust. But even as I really want to point out this morning, it's okay for us to vent to God about those things. To be open and honest and real with Him about what, what we're dealing with. To be unfiltered and, and, and genuine with God about what's on our minds and what's in our hearts right now. David, uh, in the Old Testament, is probably one of the better guys that did this, at least the records that we have. And most often, you read through the book of Psalms, David has a whole lot of unfiltered things that he says to God. And you look in Psalm 142, verses 1 and 2, he says, I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell my trouble. Look at, look, look at the words that David uses here. I cry out. I lift my voice. I pour out. I, I tell him. I complain. David says, when something's going wrong in my life and I don't know what to do with it, I talk to God about it. And I don't hold anything back. 
I'm honest and I'm real with him about it. And, and folks, God is okay with that. I believe with all my heart God is okay with me choosing to vent to him about what's going on in my life. About the things I'm frustrated with, maybe even angry about. I think he wants that kind of real honesty from me. Now, does that mean that I can just fly off the handle and be irreverent and accuse God of all sorts of things? Not necessarily, but I can be real and honest. I think he invites that. I think God wants that. But here's, here's kind of the catch. When I'm venting to God about things that are unfair, things that are difficult in my life, I need to understand that God never promises to answer the question, why? Sometimes he will. Sometimes God will make it obvious. This is why you're going through what you're going through. Not all the time. There are 42 chapters in the book of Job. If you read through all 42 chapters, guess which chapter God says, okay, Job, here's why all this happened. The answer is none of them. God even shows up. You read through the last few chapters, I think it's around chapter 38 or so, when, when God shows up and talks, actually talks back to Job, uh, he, he has a conversation with him. But even in that conversation, God never looks at Job and says, okay, here's why this is happening. Never tells him. Tells him you need to trust, you need to understand there's things going on that you don't have any control over, don't even have any awareness of, and you need to trust me. But God was okay with Job venting to him with Job saying God I don't understand this is not fair God's a big God he can handle my anger and my frustration so when those times come if, if you've never known this before that, that you could do this feel free to vent of all people to vent to the creator of the universe gives us the right invites us to come before his throne to come to him and say here's what i'm feeling right now in this moment why wouldn't we take advantage of that opportunity so feel free to vent number two take a second look take a second look and, and what i mean by that is sometimes i need to double check why it is that i'm Suffering what I'm suffering. There are times when things are bad and, and I assume or I might even claim that it's somebody else's fault. Or that it's just, you know, life is just unfair. And, and if I'm really honest, if I really be honest and take an honest look about what's going an honest look at what's going on in my life, it might be consequences to my own choices. And I might need to take a second look at that. There are times when I, when I just want to vent to God and say, God, look at all the awful things that are happening to me right now. Look at the financial situation that I'm in. Look at the health situation that I'm in. Look at the relationship issues that I'm having. And it's just so not fair. And I might need to stop for a second and take an honest look at my life and see what are the choices that I've been making to get me into that situation. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, don't be deceived. God can't be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Maybe it's my spending habits that got me in all this debt. Maybe it's my tendency to gossip that messed up that friendship. Maybe it's my selfishness 
that's been causing some of the issues in my marriage? What is it, what, what, what is it that, that I am contributing to the problem? And what do I need to do about that? That doesn't mean I can't vent. It doesn't mean I can't talk to God about those things. But I need to take a second look and see what are, are my choices and my actions contributing to the problem. Number three, I need to control what I can and let go of what I can't. Control what I can and let go of what I can't. I mean, there are things in life that I, that I, that I can control. I can control my ability to apologize to somebody that I've done something wrong to. I can control making an effort to reconcile with somebody when, when we've gotten angry at each other. I can control my ability to forgive someone else. I can control me taking uh, the opportunity to, to serve and to try to do something nice uh, for someone else. I can control you know, my habits and, and changing some of those things, letting go of a habit and maybe starting a new one. I can control my budget and my spending. I can control, you know, even getting into rehab, deal with an addiction. I can control whether or not I go to a therapist, go some counseling, get some outside help for some things that, that are going on in my life. I can control those things. Things that I can't control, I can't control what other people think of me. I can't control whether or not somebody else chooses to apologize to me for something that they've done. I can't control uh, the economy. I can't control the future. I can't control whether there's going to be uh, healing for, for some disease that's affecting me or somebody that I care about. I can't control whether or not people choose to forgive me. I can choose to forgive them. I don't have any control of whether or not they choose uh, to forgive me. I can't control whether or not people do mean things to me and hurt me in some way. Those are things that I can't control. I don't have any control over any of those things. And yet, the longer that I try to hold on to the things that I can't change, that I don't have any control over, the longer that I hold on to the pain that's associated with those things. Does that make sense? The longer that I dwell on and think about and focus on and get frustrated with all the things that I have no control over, the longer the pain stays. This, this image keeps coming back in my mind. Several years ago, at our church camp, Green Valley Bible Camp, one of the counselors brought this dumb game. It was this little electric pad, and it had, it was just kind of a circle, and it had four uh, handles attached to it. I, I, I'd have to show you a picture, but I don't even remember what it's called. I wouldn't even know where to, what to look up on the Google to figure out how to tell you about it. But you'd have four people around the circle around this thing, and everybody's holding on this handle. And this light... Uh, would just go around and, and it would be making this noise and stuff. And then when it stopped, you were supposed to squeeze your handle first. And whoever was the last of the four people to squeeze the handle, you get an electric shock in your hand. It's like, you know, and it would hurt. And, I, and you, you wanted to be quick. And then, to kind of, you know, as soon as that shock happened, you wanted to let go. Well, um. They got a bunch of counselors up on stage one night in front of all the kids to do this game, see who could be the fastest at it. And I was one of the guys that they got up there. And first round, things going around, and, and I was the last, and it shocked me. And I just, I was trying, I don't, I don't even know why. This is really dumb. But I was just like, I'm going to pretend that it doesn't hurt. And I was just, and it's buzzing, and it's hurting, 
so bad. And, but everybody's looking around going, well, who did it stop on? Who's the one? And I'm like, nobody. You know, and I'm just holding on to that thing. And that image keeps coming back to my mind when I think about how often I keep holding on to stuff that I have no control over. And it's hurting, and it's frustrating, and it's increasing my anger. And if I would just let go of it, maybe some of that hurt would start to go away. But no, I hold on to it. And it keeps causing me pain and causing pain for people around me as well. We've got to get better at letting go of the things that we can't control. If there's things that we can change, there's things we can do, go do them. Try to, try to improve the situation. Change some habits. Go forgive. Go reconcile. Whatever it is. But if I can't control it, I don't need to keep holding on to it. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. If you go back to the original ancient Greek language that this verse was written in, this word that we translate in our English Bible is cast. Cast your anxiety uh, on him. There's only one other time that that particular word is used throughout Scripture. And it's when Jesus is riding into town on a donkey and people are taking the cloaks off their back and throwing them on the ground in front of him. That's the imagery that Peter says that we need to, to have when it comes to the things that are bothering us and causing us fear and anxiety and worry and stress. That we actually take those things and throw them. Throw them onto Jesus, but, but folks, throw, throw them off of us. Let go of them. Get rid of them. Stop holding on to the things that we can't control and get rid of them. And finally... When life is unfair, when we, when we started to vent and to take a second look and we started to let go of some things that we can't control, then we need to watch what God does. We need to watch what God does with what's, what we've been going through. God ended up, if you read back through the story of Job, God ended up giving Job uh, lots more possessions than what he had. God ended up blessing Job and more kids. Doesn't say anything about his wife. I hope that worked out. I don't know. But God ended up blessing Job on the other side of the suffering. Never told him why, but he blessed him on the other side of it. And so I, I want us to, to be thinking about, like, how do I, how do I, how do I watch? I mean, just, you know, Fletcher mentioned a minute ago in our communion thoughts, be still and know that God is God. Be still and watch. Watch what God does. First of all, watch, what, watch how he stays with me through whatever it is. How he walks with me through whatever the problem is. In Isaiah chapter 43, God is talking to his people and he says, beginning in verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. The key thing that I want you to see in this verse, and maybe you've seen it before. I mean, there's songs that we sing that have these words in them. But if you've never seen this before, maybe you got your Bibles, I would highlight every time that, that, that God says to his people, when these things happen. I would underline, highlight that word, when. 
Because it's not an if. It's not a conditional statement. God's not saying if you happen to go through fire, if you happen to go through, you know, high waters, what does he say? When. It's going to happen. When it does, I will be with you. And again, God doesn't say when the fires come, when the waters rise, that I'm going to lift you up out of it and make sure that, that you don't get touched by it. That's not what he says. What does he say? I'm not going to let it overwhelm you. I'm not going to let you be completely set ablaze. Sometimes God allows us to go through these difficult circumstances. And he doesn't protect us from them. But what does he say? I will walk with you through them. When these times come, watch what God does through the problem. How he stays with me through the problem. And then also watch what he does with it. Watch what he does with it. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Paul says, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And I, I misread this for a long time. Maybe you did too. But Paul does not say that God only allows good stuff to happen to those who love him. He says that God will make something good come out of anything. So maybe in the moment I'm dealing with something that's hurtful, something that's painful, something that's frustrating, something that's overwhelming, something that I don't deserve, something that's not fair, something that I can't control. And the promise is not that God will eliminate those things and take them away, but God will not only walk with me through it, but Paul says God will make something good come out on the other side of it. God will redeem me because of it. God will use that experience uh, to bless me in some way or to bless my, use my experience to bless other people. So maybe I can help somebody else on down the road who's going through the same thing. Maybe I can be reminded of, of God's presence in my life and how he got me through those difficult circumstances. Maybe he'll help me make better decisions and make better choices in the future. Whatever it is, watch what God does. There's good stuff that he's ready to do. He's with me through the problems, and there's good stuff that he's ready to do with the problem on the other side of it. So watch what he does. Don't give up hope. Be still. Watch. See what God's going to do. I need to wrap up this morning. I wanted to, to let this morning you know, kind of be the, the launching point for this series of, of thinking about unfiltered approaches to God. Job was completely unfiltered. Multiple times Job said, God, this is not fair. I don't deserve this. I'm hurting I don't know why. And I want to share that with you folks this morning because I think there's people in this room, people who are joining us online, who maybe in this moment, right now, in their hearts are saying the same thing. God, there's hurt that I'm dealing with. There's problems, and I, I, I don't deserve it. I can't control it. I can't do anything about it. It doesn't feel fair. I want to give you a little bit of hope this morning. It's okay to say those things to God, to share that with God. But I don't want us to just sit and wallow in those things either. So vent about them. 
but then let go of the stuff that you have no control over. Make sure that there's some things that, if there's some changes being made, that you're willing to make those changes, and then watch what God does with it. There's a guy, a, a famous Christian author and speaker, his name is Rob Bell, and several years ago, he did a series of videos, they're called NUMA videos. And, and one of those videos, he talked about taking a hike with his son, who was, who was a toddler at the time. And he's, and he's got him in one of those, you know, backpack hiking things that you put kids in. I don't know what the exact name is. We have one for our kids too, but child backpack, I don't know, whatever you call it. And, and he's hiking, and, and, you know, halfway through his hike, it starts to rain. And he's got, his, he's got his son on his back. He doesn't realize that his son, he had a jacket on, he had a hood on, but his son, you know, just a toddler, he pulled the hood off. Well, now it starts raining, and now his son's getting wet, and then it starts raining harder, and his son starts kind of whimpering a little bit and then kind of getting a little bit more upset, and pretty soon he's just screaming at the top of his lungs because this rain is just crashing down. He can't do anything about it. And you can imagine from a toddler's point of view, I don't know, I'm just riding on my dad's back right now and there's nothing I can do. I'm getting soaking wet and there's thunder, there's lightning, it's scary and I can't do anything about it. And he's screaming, he's crying out. And Rob says, finally, I, I take him off my back and I realize, oh, here's the problem. He said, I ended up just, I didn't put him in the backpack anymore. I wrapped him up in my arms. I walked the rest of the way just telling him, hey, we're going to make it. We're going to make it. I love you. We're going to get there. I know the way. And so one of the, the, one of the big things, again, that he realized was that in that moment when the rain was coming down, when the storm was there, that's all that his son could focus on. That's all that he knew. That was his reality was the storm. He couldn't recognize that his dad was taking him somewhere better. He couldn't recognize his dad was actually, was actually moving to protect him, that his dad would, would never want all those awful things, you know, that awfulness to happen to him. That's where we find ourselves in life. When the bad times come that we can't control, that we don't deserve, when life is unfair, that becomes our reality. That becomes all we can focus on. And we, all we can see is the storm. All we know is all this stuff that's pouring down on us that we can't do anything about. And it's in that moment that we can cry out to our Father. I'm getting wet. I'm scared. I don't like this. But we also need in those moments to trust and to feel our Father wrapping His arms around us. And even though the storm is still there, saying, I got you. I got you. I know it's raining, it's cold, it's scary. We're going to get home. I know the way. I love you. We're going to make it. We're going to stand together here in just a second. We're going to sing a song together. And it's a recognition that there are storms that come. It's a song that recognizes there's, there's things that happen in our lives that, that seem overwhelming, but we have a God who loves us no matter what.
And we can just rest in his arms and know that he's, he's got us. And as we sing that song together, whether it's the, it's the words of that song, whether it's the words that I've, that I've shared with you this morning, whether it's just the, the spirit in this place that moves in your heart that, that causes you to say, I have been holding on to stuff that has been hurting me that I can't control. I've been holding on to it for too long, and I don't want to do that anymore. Then we would invite you when we stand and when we sing together to just come forward and share that with us. If there's things that are happening in your life right now that are hurtful and overwhelming and unfair, and you don't know what to do with it, and you don't even know if God really does care, and you want to be honest about that with this church family, you're welcome to. We will pray for you. We will pray with you. We will do whatever we can to help you see that our God cares about you too. And you're welcome to come forward and share that with us as well. But don't leave here this morning. Even if you don't come forward, come find me after worship. Find one of our shepherds. Come, talk to the person sitting on the, on the road next to you. Send us a message. Don't leave here still holding on to the pain and believing there's nothing that can be done about it. It may not be fair. You may be exactly right. But our God in this church is willing for you to vent. And we just want to help. If we need help in any way, let us know how. While together we stand and sing. Hide me now under your wings.
Uh, Gary Lacey has come forward this morning asking for prayers uh, because he's just got a lot of overwhelming things going on in his life right now. Um, he's got some health issues, especially a, a banged up knee right now that's, uh, I mean, he's walking with a cane this morning that's affecting his work. Uh, and then he's got family members who are dealing with different issues. He's got some family that have lost some other family members and some others that are struggling with some health issues. And he feels burdened to be the one to help him through all those things. And yet he can't because of his physical limitations. He just feels overwhelmed right now. And so I appreciate him being willing to come forward and share that with his church family. And we're going to pray for healing, but also just for some release uh, of some of the emotional strain that he's feeling. So we got some guys that have already come down here. If anybody else wants to come, and I, I know we're a little worried about COVID, and that's okay. Uh, you don't have to, but if anybody wants to come put a hand on him while we pray over him, you're welcome to do that. And then um, once I'm done with this prayer, we'll turn things over to Brandon, and he'll wrap up our, our worship here in just a minute. Let's pray together. Almighty God, uh, what an awesome thing that, that you um, listen to each one of us, your children. And uh, we are so thankful. We believe that you're listening right now as we, as we lift up Gary to you. Uh, and God, I pray for um, healing for his knee. I pray for, for freedom from pain for him. Um, and I, I pray that uh, whatever... Um, whatever treatments, whatever the doctors say needs to be done, that, 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 will, that will be it, that, that will take care of things. But God, even more than that, I just pray for you to amaze us with how you heal his body and make him strong again. And God, I pray for his family that is dealing with loss, that is dealing with um, consequences to choices that they've made. And uh, I just I pray for peace for them and for an awareness of you and your presence. And God, I pray, especially for Gary and dealing with his family, that he does what he can, but that he doesn't hold on to guilt for not being able to do the things that he can't. And let him be okay with the, the gifts that you have given him to help, uh, but to not feel like it's all on him to fix everything. And that, God, that's so much easier said than done. And I pray that you help him recognize that today and so we pray for healing for for his knee but we also pray for healing for his heart and his soul um, that he would feel your presence in his life and that he would be able to do what he can for his family and trust you to take care of the rest and we thank you God for listening we believe you're already moving to answer as we pray all these things in the name of Jesus amen morning what a great morning that we can be together and simply be unfiltered um, in front of our God and Gary I appreciate the man that you are and everything that you do for us and I know that I speak for all of us and we'll be praying for not only you but everybody else that has things going on a couple of things today uh, first thing is that we've got uh, some fun things happening on the 15th of August. It's our back-to-school bash. Not exactly sure what that's going to look like yet, but I do know that, that there will be some kind of food. Um, so it's a bash. It's going to be a good time. 
Uh, it's happening on the 15th, and so we'll do that after worship. Uh, so be looking in your emails, and we'll make some more announce- announcements about that as it happens as well. Uh, also, we uh, are still giving, and we have the opportunity to give uh, online, and there's directions to do that on the board, I believe, here in just a little bit, or there's uh, baskets to put them uh, in the back. Uh, your contributions help uh, this facility run and to help uh, spread the gospel to uh, the apartments back behind us, the neighborhoods back beside us, uh, and to uh, let other people know. I mean, we can be we can be unfiltered with each other, and that's what the gospel is for, is for us to say, man, here I have this good news, and I'm going to give it to you unfiltered. This is, this is the state of who I am and what I've done and the, and the depth and the links that our Savior will go to to save us. We can share that in an unfiltered way as well, and we can do that through our giving as well. Um, Ten weeks ago, uh, I got up in front of every single one of you guys and introduced you to our summer interns, our, our uh, summer interns that came and hung out with our uh, teenagers, and Tate and Paige, if you guys will go ahead and come up here real quick, I gotta embarrass them one more time. Uh, ten weeks ago, and if, and it's crazy that ten weeks has already come and gone. Uh, they've gone to Texas with us, uh, to Colorado with us, and they've come to Green Valley and all kinds of good stuff. Uh, and they have truly been a amazing light to our teenagers, uh, and have loved on them and have taken them out to lunch. Uh, they've cleaned up vomit. Uh, they've done uh, all, I mean, let me tell you, just going through, there's a lot of like vomit-esque things, not just vomit, but things that they have figured out, uh, and going to Walmart and buying shoes for girls that don't have shoes at Green Valley, and all, just all kinds of things. Um, this is our, our third year of doing interns, uh, and each year I'm like, man, this is, this is why. This is why we have interns, and Particularly at the end of this summer, I'm like, man, this this is why, this is why. Uh, we watched a video just going through all of the things that we've done uh, this summer, and like, there are not enough words to be able to say uh, how grateful that I am for them, and I know that all, all of our teenagers and our parents are uh, for them as well. And if you haven't gotten to meet them, they'll be out in the lobby as well, and just just tell them thank you. And I don't know what for, but man, thank you. Uh, you guys, I and mean, they just—they've been amazing this summer. And as they're finishing up with us today at our, at our lake day and enjoying our time, uh, and they'll be leaving tomorrow. Uh, they're both going back to school, and so we want to send them off with uh, with prayers and with love and admiration at the same time too. So, uh, thank you, Tate and Paige, for everything that you guys have done for us. <laughs> Let's uh, close worship in a prayer and prayer for them and a prayer for us. Let's pray, guys. Dear God, thank you so much for what, you, what you've done for us. God, for giving us voices to be able to voice our concerns to you. And God, that you have ears that want to hear us. And God, we pray a special prayer for our interns, uh, Paige and Tate, both. Uh, they both came in not knowing anybody, not knowing really what the summer was going to look like with COVID and everything else. And God, here we are at the end of it. And Man, so many good things have happened, and so many hearts have been impacted, and souls have been opened, and large parts because of them. And God, we're grateful for them and thankful for them. And God, as they are moving into the future, uh, whatever that may be, with um, in the last couple of years of school and, and, and jobs here in the future, God, I pray. Um, I mean, I know that they have made big impacts here, and we're, we're bringing those memories and those relationships with us 
into this school year, into the years to come. So God, I pray for them for wisdom and discernment, that you give them peace and you give them rest in, be- in between now and school, and that you give them uh, encouragement as well. God, thank you for Flagstone and the, the goodness um, that Flagstone is. And God, I pray that they can continue to spread the good news and the gospel as they have been this past summer. And I pray that we can do the same. Ultimately, we thank you for your son that died on the cross for our sins. And God, it's in your name and his name that we pray. Amen. Let's uh, close with one more song. Okay. Y'all can stand up. That's fine. You're going to have to listen to me ramble for a second. If you guys have been out to Green Valley this year, you've been able to notice we made a lot of improvements out there. How many of you have been able to see those this week, this year? All right, some of you. That's awesome. If you haven't, this week is our last week. Get out there and check it out. Uh, one, of the re- one of the ways we, we make that possible is through a golf tournament we hold every year. And uh, this coming Saturday is that golf tournament. Uh, we, we host it. Blackstone puts it on. And um, we're going to have a luncheon after our round on Saturday. And it's going to be over here in our fellowship hall. Valerie Stovall is heading that up for us. And she can use some volunteers uh, to help her on Saturday. And also, there is a sign-up online for people to uh, sign up to bring things to help us out. And if I could, I'd ask those of you here in the room and those of you online, please get out there and sign up for that so we can bless those, those folks and then we can continue to do that. And the last thing is, if you don't think you can golf, Marshall is playing with us on Saturday. And, uh, and he says, I can't golf. And so he's going to play. Uh, I really encourage you, uh, sign up, put a team out there. We're, we're still looking for teams to sign up, so please sign up. Come out and really enjoy this. It's a fun event, and we have a lot of fun. So uh, please come out and join us on Saturday. If you want to sign up, you can look it up on Facebook. we got sign-ups out there. So, all right. One more. We'll be on that. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from every
Sonnenschein.